the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. You know, when you think of the New Testament book of Acts, uh, you probably think about the history of the early church and Peter preached at Pentecost and uh, Saul of Tarsus uh, was on the Damascus Road and he saw the risen Christ, became Paul the Apostle. There's a lot of history in Acts, Mars Hill, but uh, Bert, going through Acts, and like yesterday we were in Acts chapter 5, I'm reminded of how many good sermons are in the book of Acts. <laughs> I mean, yeah. now in verse uh, 29 of Acts 5, Peter gets up and begins to preach, and let me tell you folks, there are some just inspiring, motivational sermons that are delivered in the book of Acts, and you can tell where we are in that New Testament book, Acts of the Apostles, so please turn there if you can. But Bert, um, we always say this whenever we're going through a book of the Bible, that it, it means so much to us, but it really is it's stirring my heart and my soul. How about you? It does, and I admit it, it's true. Whichever book I'm studying, that's my favorite right there at that time, and and I love Acts. And let me say this, I, I love the theme. It really is the power of the gospel to overcome all obstacles. If I know it, it's titled the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, but when you look at it, it is the power of the gospel to overcome all barriers. Looking at it so far, it was over, languages were overcome at Pentecost. The threats that they told Peter and John, don't you speak anymore in this name, but they kept preaching the gospel. Yesterday, we had the lion of Ananias and Sapphira trying to, and it would show discontent. It would show uh, the people that were either possibly fake or weak, but the power of the gospel overcomes this. And today, in chapter 6, it's the power of the gospel over division, even disagreement. So, Alex, I, I just want to tell you, that that puts iron in my blood to see. Mm. And, the, and I've said it, I love the freedom of America. Don't anybody deny that. But I'm telling you, the gospel works in North Korea, China, in the United States, Brazil, the gospel works anywhere, anytime, in all conditions. But missions always works best when you have the freedom and all the ideas, and that's what takes place. So the power of the gospel overcoming all obstacles, and we're going to see another one of those today, Alex. Well, amen. And the gospel always includes the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus for the sins of the world. In fact, really, that is the gospel. Is I shouldn't it. say it contains that. But um, in Acts five twenty nine and following, you know, Peter and the other apostles, they said, we ought to obey God rather than man. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things. So the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus for the sins of the world, and we enter into a relationship with Christ through faith. You don't have to earn it. You certainly can't buy it. But if you'll put your trust in Jesus 
and you say, Lord, I am sorry for my sins, and I believe when Jesus was nailed to that cross, he did it for me. Dear Lord, please save me and be my Lord and Savior. Uh, you, you do that. You're a Christian. You are born again. And, Bert, it's so beautiful because 20 centuries have come and gone, 2,000 years, and still the need of every human then and now is a relationship with Christ Amen. and that simple message. It doesn't matter if we're in the horse and buggy era or the 21st century age of the Internet. It is still Jesus that changes lives wherever and whenever he is allowed in. Amen, Alex. You preach it. It is true. And listen, I, I love what Camellia said. We, we got over this yesterday, but this introduces chapter 6. Uh, when they were talking about what are we going to do with them, uh, do we, we need to beat them. They, they don't even respond to that. They don't respond to our threats. And Gamaliel said, you know, we've had two guys that came along, and they had quite a few followings, 400. You know, if, if it's of man, it'll fade away. But then he said, but if it is of God, verse 39, you can't overthrow it lest you even be found to fight against God. Okay, Alex, you said 2,000 years plus, and the gospel is still being preached. I would say Gamaliel was a prophet. It was not just, yes. it wasn't of man. This movement, this, this person, Jesus Christ, and those who choose to follow him, it is real. It is, and it will not be overthrown. I know there may be times when the church has been weak, when the church has been shoved to the side, and Jesus has been maligned, but I want to tell you, the name of Jesus and his bride continues marching on in 2023. Amen. You know what? I've got to say this, and I want to get into Acts chapter 6, but uh, certainly the most futile, most vacuous waste of time that anybody could give themselves to is the spread of atheism. And, <laughs> Amen. Amen. You know, Bert, uh, you know, um, I, I saw this article, uh, I'm going to say about two months ago, uh, flash drives, a, little, a USB flash drive. And now those are kind of getting uh, a little bit obsolete uh, because everything is on the cloud or saved, you know, electronically. But before that, there were CDs. And I remember it was, it was the hot ticket, you know, 15 years ago, if you had a computer that could burn a CD. And there was this article about um, this man that collects all these outdated things, like there was reel-to-reel, then there was eight-track tapes, then there was cassettes, then there was CDs, and now that's gone. And um, the guy said, you know, well, sooner or later, everything goes out of style. Sooner or later, everything becomes obsolete. And I remember I thought, no, I know one thing that will never be obsolete, and that's salvation through the Lord Jesus. Amen. Um, Acts 4.12, only through Jesus, only the, through the name of Christ can we be saved. And in Matthew 16.18, Christ said, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. I debated an atheist a few years ago. I've debated a lot of atheists. And this atheist said to me, um, he said, one day religion will be gone. There'll be no more belief in any God or Jesus and the church. He said, we see the day that atheism takes over the world. And I said, well, um, <laughs> you're wasting your life and risking your soul because, uh, folks, the day is coming 
Habakkuk says, where the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. So I got to tell you, you'd be better off investing in eight-track tapes than investing in atheism. <laughs> Amen. Good uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. What what futility it would be to fight against the eternal gospel. Of, you know, Re- Revelation 14, I'll say this. It said, there was an angel from heaven proclaiming the everlasting gospel. Well, if Jesus everlastingly is the Lord and Savior, uh, it can never be eradicated. Praise God. Amen. You know what the saying of atheist is? There is what? no God and we hate him. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a contradiction. It is it? a contradiction, and, and that's the whole idea. And those of you who are listening, Alex and I, we want to encourage you. God is real, and you can know him. There is a God, and through Amen. Jesus Christ, you can know him. Matter of fact, there is no other way to know him. Now, you can know about him. You can know of him. But to know him in a relationship is through Jesus Christ alone. With that in mind, Alex, let's dig into chapter 6. It says, in those days, now again, the church is early. We're talking about weeks old. Now, in those days, when the number of the disciples were multiplying, was multiplying. Let me make a word about that. Notice, in the first part of the book of Acts, you'll find the word multiplying, multiplying, multiplying. As you get on into the latter part, of the book of Acts, where Paul, Barnabas, Silas, they're going to these different areas in the Roman Empire that have a lot of Gentiles and a few Jews that it will say added to the church. Now, you'll find that every once in a while, but it's not used multiplication very much in the latter part. Uh, and and the reason was this was a ready-made audience, and I think you'll catch this because we're going to have a lot of priests that come to know Christ as Savior. So I wanted to make that statement about multiplying. There were, arose a murmuring against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. Now, Hellenists are Greek-speaking Jews. These are probably mm-hmm. Jews that were out in all the Roman Empire, but they had come to Jerusalem and at Pentecost, and they've stayed around because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution of the food. Now, Alex, it doesn't say they said they were uh, they were neglected. The it says here they it they were neglected. Uh, mm. Sounded like they might have had a legitimate uh, gripe here. You know? Yeah. Now, uh, isn't it true that the the Grecians were Jews that? spoke Greek, but they couldn't speak Hebrew or Aramaic. The Aramaic was the one that was most of the Hebrews spake Aramaic, and that the distinguishing was they were the, that they that's the language that was their heart language. We would say right, it right uh, the the Jews, but the Grecians generally couldn't speak that language. That's correct, and so there's a communication problem. I'm going to say this, and we're going to move on. Here is an example, though, where the gospel works for all cultures. Because even though the the Hebrews and the Grecians of Acts six one, they were of the same ethnicity. Really, there were vast cultural differences. But you know what? The gospel works rural, urban, east, west, uh, Europeans, Americans, Asians. Uh, the gospel of Jesus works in every culture. But verse 2 says, Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Not, not reasonable. 
Now, they would, they did. Uh, let me just say this. Uh, preaching is such a privilege and a blessing, but um, the preacher ought to be able and willing to cut the grass and empty the wastebaskets, and I've done both. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, we all really, as much as we possibly can, use our gifts in the most effective way. So what they do, they, they begin the wonderful work of delegation. Bert, if you're going to be a leader, if you're going to grow, being able to delegate is an important thing, isn't it? It really is. And knowing when to do it, how to do it, and who. Uh, why, when, yes, and who. You need to look at those things and make that delegation. We're going to look back here in Chapter 6 and see what they did. And it was something that worked. And uh, notice the spiritual applications of those that do pass, no matter what it is. We want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We'll be back right after the break. There's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees, with my head lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Amen. Thank you for listening to Exploring the Word. This is Bert Harper, along with Dr. Alex McFarland. And we come to you each day, Monday through Friday, 3 o'clock Central Time to 4, and we do a Bible study. And then at the end, we do that, which is very, very great and important to Alex and myself. We get to talk to those people who would call in at 888-589-8840 and ask us Bible questions. We enjoy communicating with you. So if you'll write that number down or put it in your phone right now, speed dial. 888-589-8840. We'd love to hear from you today. And don't make that call now. Wait until the end of this segment and start the third segment. But Alex, I want to ask you something. What qualifications are needed to serve tables? Huh. You got to have, willing, let me see, a pen and a paper. Uh, <laughs> a, a willing heart, mostly. <laughs> okay. You, you know, yeah. Humility, uh, the heart of a servant. And the, the willingness to do it. Um, and here was the motive. Look, it, it's not, and, and it's easy to say, but it takes, I think, authenticity to, to demonstrate this. Verse 4 said, here's what the disciples said, um, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And so, verse 3, they, they looked for brethren, men of honest report, seven men full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, that they would appoint over the serving of tables. Now, I want to say, in God's economy, any work we do for the Lord is equally valid. You know, thank the Lord for the preacher in the pulpit. And you and I both, we've, we've been that guy sometimes, and then we've sat under wonderful guys. But you know what? One of my heroes was Adrian Rogers, Burt, and I met him a time or two. I, I bet you probably met Dr. Adrian Rogers. I had that privilege, yes. I personally think during his lifetime, he was probably the best preacher of the gospel on the planet, right? I would but agree. You, I would agree, yes. But I can guarantee he would have— he if if his assignment had been to vacuum the carpets or 
cut the grass, he would have done that with equal zeal for Christ, wouldn't he? He would have, and that's that's what we want. That's why you want men full of the Holy Spirit, wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, need to have a good reputation. Now, I want you to underline, those of you that underline or highlight, full of the Holy Spirit. Because later on, one of these men that we're going to find listed in verse 5, he's going to need that filling of the Holy Spirit very, very soon. And so, listen, whatever you do, there is no position in the kingdom of God. There is no service in the kingdom of God where you do not need the Holy Spirit of God filling your life. We desperately need him. The fruit of the Spirit is evident to that person who is filled with the Spirit. And so here is Stephen, that man filled with the Spirit, and others waiting on tables so that the twelve could give themselves to the ministry of the Word. Again, Alex, uh, one and the other is that which is you're equipped to do, you are called to do, and these apostles knew this is what needed to be done. So they took care of the problem. Now, let me share with you. Uh, more than anything else, I know the food distribution was important, but the most important thing listed here is unity in the body. Amen. This is what these men wanted. They knew going forward they didn't need to be divided. They need to be together. The theme so far has been in one accord, in one spirit, in one mind, and they do not want that to stop and if one group feels like they're and they are or feels like they are being neglected and the other group's getting favoritism because in God there's no partiality, listen, uh, here they come. They did not skirt it. They did not uh, kick the can down the road. No, they took care of the issue when at the very beginning. Alex, I think we can learn something from that as well. Amen. Amen. And in verse 6 of Acts chapter 6, there's, Bert, I'm going to call it like a commissioning service. And and it was public, and it was prayerful, and there was impartation. Let me explain. They sat before the apostles, the, these men. By the way, a good trivia question would be, yeah, this would be a good Bible trivia question, who were Stephen, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas. Amen. Well, they were the, the, the seven men that were put over the, the administration to serve the widows. And But what they did, they had a, a public, really, commissioning service. They sat before the apostles, they prayed, and laid hands on them. Now look what happens when everybody is doing their job. Verse 7, the word of God increased, the number of the disciples multiplied, and a great company of priests came to the faith, or were obedient to the faith as well. By the way, you know what's really cool? I don't mean to go backwards, but in verse 1 it says, in those days the number of the disciples was multiplied, and in verse 7, the number of disciples multiplied. Um, In Greek it's the word plethora. Maybe you've heard somebody say there was a plethora. It means a big crowd, a group, a big number. Well, there was a plethora of people coming to Christ because the gospel was being preached and everybody was um, obediently serving. As it, You don't see a lot of turf or competition. It's just uh, save people with a heart of service, isn't it, Brooke? It really is. Now, seven, those seven names. What's interesting about these, these names seem to be 
more Hellenistic. They yes. tend to be the ones that are not there, and they're the ones, but they trusted them. They were of good report. And notice one of them was even a proselyte. You got to, I, I, I just couldn't help but Nicholas is a proselyte. He wasn't born a Jew. At uh, some point in his time, he recognized that there was one God. He turned from paganism of multiplicity of gods, knew that there was that one God. He started looking at the Jewish culture, the Jewish teaching, and he became a Jew, and then he became a follower of Christ. What a I'm looking forward to meeting Nicholas in heaven. I want to find out a little bit about his journey where he would come from uh, being Gentile for sure, possibly pagan, you know, Alex, and then come into the Jewish faith and then coming on into Christ. Uh, That's an interesting journey that we have there for Nicholas, isn't it? It sure is. It sure is. 9 through 15 is just so... Bert, I, I think this is riveting. I've said it before. I wish they would make a movie about the book of Acts. But so Stephen is presenting, explaining, defending the gospel. It says they were disputing these men of, of this certain synagogue, Libertines, Cyrenians, and Alexandrians, uh, and of them of Cilicia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Now, Bert, sometimes you present the gospel. Sometimes you invest in the explanation. And then sometimes you have to defend it. That's what apologetics is. But anyway, they um, accuse him. Some unbelieving people accuse him of speaking blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And the people get stirred up. Uh, but here's the thing. Even as he's being accused, uh, Stephen's face looks like the face of an angel, verse 15. This is just, I think it's it's a riveting story here of, of what went on. Amen. And let me see the centerpiece of his sermon, and you find it there in verse 14. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us. Now, here's what what they're doing. There's some, uh, it's not just theological. I I believe with all my heart, uh, sometimes you say you follow the money. Uh, If if Jesus is Lord and he is the one that he came to fulfill the law, you know, and what does that do to the temple worship? What does that do to the power that they have there over the Jewish population? You catch what I'm saying, Alex? So, yeah. so this, because when you get into his sermon that he preaches over in chapter 7, we have his whole sermon. Uh, when he gets to Solomon building the temple, it quotes about, can you really put God in a temple? Uh, they they felt that. They took that as a way of him saying, we don't need that temple anymore, and which is true. They didn't need to do any sacrifice anymore. Jesus had become that sacrifice so there is, I'm, I'm just going to say this real lightly, and you may completely disagree, there's some truth in what they're saying concerning uh, Stephen because he is saying Jesus Christ is the one. You don't have to have the temple anymore. You you have Christ. And uh, so, Alex, uh, and did Stephen back down? Let me ask you that. Did Stephen no, back down? He he really didn't. And, in fact, his uh, vehement 
defense of the faith is going to ultimately be that which gets him killed. But um, the high priest said, Are these things so? And he said, Men, brethren, fathers, hearken. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia and before he dwelt in Charon. Um, and he said, Get up out of thy country. Okay, in, in uh, Acts chapter 7, Stephen... You could call it a speech, you could call it a sermon, but he's going to show that he knows and he respects the the great panoramic story of the Hebrews, but it culminates in Jesus. Because when we get over there, uh, at the end of Acts chapter 7, he's going to really explain the gospel, but he's going to very pointedly call on the people to repent and believe. He does. Now, notice this. That those of you that are keeping up in your Bibles, he uses a lot of names, but the three biggies he uses and spend times on it. Abraham in verse 2 and following. Look what all he says about that. Then look down at verse 20, that same chapter, Moses. And he divides this into the 40 years in verse 23, 40 years old. And he talks about Moses all the way through and what he did in his sermons. And then verse 30, 40 years again. And in verse 36, he uses 40 years. He spends that time on Moses, which is what? The law giver. So he's giving mm-hmm. them a lesson. Uh, and, and then he says, he quotes what Moses said the, in verse 37. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren, him you shall hear. He is bringing Jesus into this and saying this is the one, and he continues talking. And then he doesn't stop there, Alex. He goes over in verse 45, and it says, Unto the days of David, he brings David. So he gives this history lesson all the way from Abraham all the way to David, and then in verse 47, he brings in Solomon built him a house. Now, notice what it says in 48 and 49. But, uh, however, now listen to this. This is pretty powerful. Solomon built God a house. However, the Most High Uh, does not dwell in the temples made with hands, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord, or what is the place of my rest? Has my hand not made all these things? And that's when he comes to it. He's letting them know that God is bigger than the temple, that Jesus Christ is that prophet that Moses was talking about, and that's when it all breaks loose, isn't it? Well, it is. And, you know, uh, here's where Stephen gets really, really bold. He says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised of heart. This is verse 51, in heart and ears. Now, this was a slam because... They were, you know, hyper, hyper religious, of course. Maybe you think you're circumcised and you're an observant Jew, but your heart is not kosher. That's, I mean, that's what he's saying, really. You know, you, you keep kosher, but you've, if you've not believed in Jesus, you're uncircumcised of heart and ears. You do always resist the Holy Ghost, as your fathers did, so do you. Bert, I wow. mean, this was, this was really really hard preaching. Now, stiff-necked means stubborn. Isn't that something? Yes. Uncircumcised of heart means, well, unrighteous, really, doesn't it? It does. Because, you know, uh, the the male babies being circumcised, that was part of the way they, they showed that they were of the Abrahamic 
covenant, right? And he goes on. Alex, before you get off of, I I want you to go ahead, but I got to say a word about resist. Uh, Yes. God says he resists the proud, but they resist the Holy Spirit. God resists, and these are proud people. They're saying, this is our temple. These are our men. These are our traditions, and you are attacking it. And it was really the Holy Spirit of God that was, you know, remember what he said? He was filled with the Holy Spirit, and they resisting his words. They're really resisting the Holy Spirit. I, I just had to get that in. So go ahead with verse 51, if you would. Well, well, and you know what? The word resist, um, have you ever seen, you know, the linebackers in a football formation when they first run the play, and, you know, the, the linebackers and the blockers, they're, they're leaning in and they bang together at a 45-degree angle. Can you picture those – that? Do you know that's that's what the word uh, I'm probably not going to pronounce it right. Antipipto, antipipto, <laughs> is the word resist, yeah. and it's not really it's not even so much as like standing against. But imagine you are trying to, with the full force of your body, knock the other guy down. And when I read this Greek word, um, Stephen says, you know, you do always resist the Holy Ghost. Imagine. A tackler, you know, hitting a guy full force to knock him down. That's what that word resist means. And he goes on in verse 52. Which of the, can you name me one of the prophets that your fathers didn't persecute? <laughs> That's what he's saying, isn't he? He really is. He, he is bringing it in. Uh, they were all ears. He brought them in through the, all the history. But then at the last, he shares with them the truth about who they are and who God is. We're going to take your phone call. That number is 888-5898-40. Exploring the Word is back. We're so glad you're with us, folks. Hey, the number, call in if you've got a Bible question. The number is 888-589-8840. Bert, before we pick up the telephones, um, I want to pray for the, the people in that submarine. Everybody knows the whole wide world is focusing on this story. There are five people, presumably at the bottom of the ocean, in uh, a little submarine thing. Uh, very unfortunate, and the, it says by 5 a.m. tomorrow morning they will run out of oxygen. Now the thing might they they might be dead already. Nobody knows. Maybe this thing crushed and caved in. They don't know. But Bert, I'm going to open up and pray for that. Is Go that ahead. okay? You bet. Go ahead, Alex. Father, in the name of Jesus, we we ask for mercy and your intervention on behalf of these people in that submersible submarine thing. Uh, Lord, five souls. And, Lord, they they may already be dead in in eternity. We just don't know. But, Lord, many nations, America, Canada, the Coast Guard, the Navy, people are linking together to try to find uh, this submarine. They say it's an area twice the size of the state of Connecticut. It will take a miracle. Dear Lord, would you please intervene and give yourself glory. Uh, let, Let these people be saved. 
not only physically but spiritually. And Lord, only you know the status of this. But Father God, we pray that you would intervene, bless the families, give skill and safety to the rescuers. And Father, if it be thy will, let, let a triumphant, miraculous outcome happen here. And we lift these people up to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen, Alex. Thank you for doing that. We've had a lot of folks commented on that, so we will pray for them. Thank you so much. Well, let's go to the phone lines, and first we go to Louisiana and talk to David. Welcome, David. Hey, um, um, good afternoon, guys. Thank you uh, for taking my call. Um, I I get the AFA Stan uh, magazine, and uh, there's an article written by uh, Jordan Chambly, and uh, it's a kind of subtitle it's uh who says what's right and wrong you know and uh I, i'm seeing here that also also that uh, uh bird has made some comments on the article and i agree with everything in that article it's so wonderful maybe one of the best articles i've, I've ever come across but uh it also had a photo of a, um, a woman facing you and uh you know there's right and wrong on each each side and uh on her right side, she's showing an arrow that says wrong. On the left side, it says right. And we all know, uh, we all know about uh, about God saying, you know, He'll have the sheep on the right side and the goats on the left. David, but, uh, thank you. It listen, it was a great article. Appreciate Jordan. Appreciate all the people at the stand, and uh, they they do a great job. And if you don't know about it, you can go to afa.net and you can look at the stand. And this is a printed magazine. Uh, they're mm-hmm. getting fewer and fewer. It is excellent done. It is quality. And the writers in there are so great. One of those writers is Joy Lucius. And mm-hmm. Joy and Randy both work here. Randy has helped us on the board so many times. Their son passed away uh, yesterday. Uh, he mm-hmm. had fought leukemia for years and years. And uh, he went to be of the Lord. And so we want to pray uh, for Joy and, and Randy Lucius and their family. But, I, David, you're right. There's great articles. And, I, I listen, God has revealed himself. I, and that's what we talked about yesterday, Alex. God has revealed himself even to those that did not have the law, creation and conscience. God has revealed himself to men everywhere, hasn't he? Yes, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I just want to, before we get off topic, uh say how much we appreciate the stand. We get it at our house. I've been privileged to contribute sometimes and write articles, but it's really great. And I would encourage if you don't receive the stand magazine, it's also kind of also known as the AFA Journal, but go online and get that and subscribe. Bert, I'm assuming they could go to afa.net. Is that right? Yes, that's it. They can go there and they can look at the stand and they can get it. Six months free and then you'll get so I want it so bad, you'll pay for it to get the rest of the time. So, yes, please do that. And, David, thank you for doing that and reminding us of, of AF, AFAs, our mothership, as I call it. AFRs are part of that, the studios, the, the stand, and there's so many others. God has blessed us in so many ways. And, by the way, I, I just want to say another word. I'm, I'm going to do this quickly. Uh, Jenny and I were eating lunch, and we got to see our founder's wife. She was there with a friend, and they mm. were eating lunch. And I got to talk to Linda and uh, tell her how much we love Don. And she said, I'll, I'll always tell him when po- folks say ask about him. And uh, they're dear friends of mine and Jan's. And so I just wanted to pass it on. Uh, AFR, uh, AFA standing on the shoulders of giants, and Don Wildman's one of them. 
And uh, so that Amen. was the first thing that started was the journal. It was before mm-hmm. the radio, before the studio. It was there. By by the way, that number is 888-589-8840. We go to Mississippi and talk to Monica. Welcome, Monica. Hi. Thank you. First-time caller. Well, thank you. Yay, what part of Mississippi wonderful. are you from, Monica? I'm from the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Oh, wow. We, we got stations all over Mississippi. We cover the state of Mississippi well. But thank you for calling. Oh, well, mine is just a comment. Um, I'm kind of a baby Christian and um, have been reading the Bible a lot. And a lot of people are trying to defend homosexuality and saying that, well, the Bible says um, they talk about Jonathan and David um, mm. saying that they were had a relationship. And I was reading this morning. I thought, no, that doesn't sound right. And so I got to Samuel 17 and at the end. Just saw when David went against the Philistines and and um, won that battle and everything, and then it goes into chapter eighteen, and you know Saul wanted to know who David was, and so I think it it looks like he took him in, and then Saul's son and um, David became friends or almost like brothers. Right. Is that accurate? You're mm-hmm. Monica. Thank you, Alex. Go ahead and take that away. I'll add anything if whatever you say. Uh, God bless you, and thanks for listening, and thanks uh, for calling. By the way, um, there's a whole emergence just in the last 25 years of what they would call gay affirming theology, and it, it is straight from the mind of Satan. I mean, it absolutely um, destroys the the text of Scripture. Um, now. Monica, I could give you the history. There was a famous book that came out in the early, early 90s by an ex-Roman Catholic priest, and I'm not even going to give his name, but there is the figurehead, just like Darwin's Origin of the Species spawned 10 million books on evolution, and, uh, well, this one particular book, 25, almost 30 years ago, came out, and Gay Theology was born uh, it's false. See, here's the thing. We take the, the Word of God, and it shapes our behaviors and beliefs. But what they're doing with gay theology, trying to make Jesus—I mean, it's, it's blasphemous, but Christ and the disciples, they try to portray them as gay. It's horrendous. They are taking their beliefs and behavior and forcing Scripture to measure up to their preconceived notions— um, there is nothing historical nor textual that would lead you to believe David and Jonathan were lovers, not at all. Just, hey, I love Bert Harper, uh, and, but that's in a brotherly way, as yeah. Christian friends do. You know, so, um, Bert, Satan, there's no type of blasphemy that he's not above oh, doing, man. is it? There is nothing, and he always has to distort truth. And that is distorted truth from everywhere. So, Monica, you're right on, and God's Holy Spirit will show you that as you read through that, that, again, they just try to justify something. When you're confronted with sin, whoever it is, you're either going to confess it or justify it. And to justify it, they'll jump through rings. They'll twist truth in order to justify anything. You can say it's the, the gay Christianity Whatever it is, no matter what it is, pharisaical, all of it. Uh, you know, they're talking about celebrating Homosexuality Pride Month. 
I guess next month they're going to uh, celebrate pedophilia. I guess the next month they'll celebrate adultery. You know, mm. Alex, where does it end? And uh, I know I'm, I'm on my yeah. soapbox right now, but Monica, you're right on. Uh, let's go to Louisiana and talk to Carol. Carol, welcome. Yeah, hi. Yeah, hello. Yes, you're welcome. on. Thank yes. you for calling. Okay, thank you. And I'm a first-time caller, too. I'm hey, so man. I got through. Way to go, girl. <laughs> I love 88 Part 1. I really, 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 really do. I listen to you all the time. My radio station plays on 88 Part 1. Quick question. I know a couple that they have a ceremony. You know, the pastor did the ceremony. But they didn't get, like, a marriage license done. Is that a marriage honored, you know, under God? Is that okay? That's good that way. Uh, where can I, where is it biblical in the Bible? Where can I explain okay. it? Thank you, Carol. Your voice is breaking up just a little, but we got that. Alex, I, I, we discussed this years ago in, in mm-hmm. one of our meetings at AFA when they were trying to bring homosexual marriage. In other words, what's going to happen, marriage is going to be nothing more than a, a license to for a while where you have to renew it. I mean, it's probably going that way for his government. But right mm-hmm. now, I still think the issue, you should come under the law of the government when yes, we dwell yeah. and, and do both. Yes, I believe both. It may come when it doesn't mean anything, Alex, and uh, we need to be ready for that if it comes to that way, too. Go ahead. Yeah. You know, interestingly, we had this question back in, I think it was like January, and somebody asked, um, and so, you know, to for a husband and wife, and by the way, I, I just want to say, heterosexual monogamy, a man and a woman for a lifetime, that is the only marriage that God recognizes, a husband and a wife. God and all the laws and all the ink on all the paper in the world will never legitimize gay marriage in the eyes of Almighty God. So um, for a church to have a wedding ceremony of a male and a female, um, it is a marriage, yes. A man and a woman being having a church wedding, a pastor, but I'm with Bert. Uh, you know, Romans 13 and other passages say we, we should obey the law. So since we still, in spite of all the struggles, we actually still do have a judicial system based on the Judeo-Christian worldview. Uh, I think we should do it right, get a marriage license, uh, be married, and be in compliance with with the law and the Lord. Amen. By the way, at livestreaming.afr.net, you can go and view a video that has something to do with that about answers uh, theological answers concerning what they call gay Christianity. Again, y'all know me. I don't like to use the word gay because it's not. It's it, Satan is always stealing, and he stole that good name and has distorted that, like he tried to do the rainbow. And but it tells you about what's wrong with that kind of Christianity. Go to livestreaming.afr.net. Thank you, Carol. Let's go to Arkansas and talk to Mark. Welcome, Mark. Yes, good afternoon, gentlemen. Yes, sir. Hello. Thank you for calling. What part of Arkansas are you from, Mark? I live in BB. 
Okay. <laughs> that told me a lot, brother. <laughs> Central Arkansas. Sorry. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead with your question, well, brother. Thank well, you for calling. Uh, thank you. Um, my wife and I have a unusual uh, relationship. I'm a bad. I'm a, I'm a Methodist, and she's a Baptist. But uh, beside that, we have kind of a little slight argument on the day of the rapture when we're caught up with Jesus. Will our earthly bodies stay on earth, or will we be just renewed bodies and uh, have a new spirit? Okay, great mm. question. Let me share this with that you. Acts, great yes, Acts chapter 1, when Jesus went up into heaven, uh, th they said, this same Jesus that you have seen go up into heaven, he will come back in like manner. So whatever body he had when he left, he's going to come back with that same body, isn't he, Alex? Yeah, exactly. I, I think in a way, Bert, it might be like Enoch and Elijah. Do you remember that? Like in the Old Testament, uh, Enoch and Elijah uh, got raptured or translated up to heaven, you might say. And um, I, I think it'll be automatic, kind of like that. Yeah, I, I do as well. But Jesus comes back as he left. So whatever that is in Acts 1, that's the way he comes back. We're going to try to get Jeff in from Texas. Jeff, we don't have a lot of time. Go with your question, brother. Yes, sir. I was wondering if the regular Jewish person back in the time of the Pharisees, if they felt the same way about the Pharisees that Stephen did, if they thought that they were kind of too cocky, or if they, or if they really did think that they were all you know, holier than most people. I think it was a mixed bag, Alex, mm. do you? I think there was yeah, some that I, I knew it so. and some that reverenced them, you know? Yeah, I mean, and and the religious elites, they, they did try to appear very sanctimonious, and no doubt there were a lot of people that respected them, but I think a lot of people just tolerated them, really. Do you get that impression? I Bert? did. Listen, they, they were hypocrites, and yeah. uh, if they... <laughs> You know, some of them. Let's go back. Paul was a Pharisee of the Pharisee, and he it sounded like he was the real deal. And when he yes. saw truth and was confronted with it, he got right with God, Alex. So some of these Pharisees, uh, some of them were, they, they were right on, but some of them were not. Well, I love how it, it said there in Acts chapter 6 that many of the priests believed. Praise God. And we hope people everywhere nowadays will believe. Believe in Jesus. Bert, don't we appreciate all the people that daily listen to Exploring the Word? Oh, listen, we are blessed beyond measure. And our whole team, we appreciate it. Brent, Richard, Robert, Mary-Kate, Bert, and Alex, we say thank you for listening to Exploring the Word. Listen tomorrow again for some more. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.